I read a very interesting piece in the Irish Times on Friday by Professor Jack Lambert. And uh, Jack Lambert is a professor of medicine and infectious diseases at the Matter and UCD School of Medicine. Now, in the article, Professor Lambert said much of what the government was doing at the behest of the National Public Health Advisory Team was ill-advised. He also went on to outline, while there should be a cause for concern over coronavirus, there is no reason to panic. He said the measures being taken by the government so far had sacrificed our economy uh, for poorly thought out and thought through decisions made in a void uh, without appropriate multi-sector stakeholder engagement. He said the state should be finding ways to keep the virus at bay and not to count the numbers and to threaten lockdown measures which cause further erosion to our already fragile society. And he puts together his own 10-point strategy, and he joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Jack. How are you? Yeah, hi, Uh Jack, very interesting article and a very interesting read and a very sensible read, but already it has come under fire, as you may or may not know. I'm sure you do at the stage. It's been in the Irish Times. Philip Nolan of Neffet uh, described your piece, and I'm just looking at the description he used here. He said, however, such contributions, referring to your contributions, should be grounded in facts and public health expertise and experience. This article by Dr. Lambert is neither. And he goes on to say... If the basic facts are so badly incorrect, how valid and useful is the opinion? Uh, Let me just first get your reaction to that before I come to the plan itself that you have talked about. What is your reaction to Neffet or Philip Nolan uh, and his condemnation of your piece? Well, President Trump sends out communications by Twitter. uh, So Philip Nolan sent out a communication by Twitter. So I don't think that's kind of a a fine and upstanding way to, to, to respond um, but but the, the point is, if, if you look at what I said... Um, well, okay, well, let, let's look, let's you know, look so, at what you so, said. So if you look at what I said, yeah. no, but more importantly, he's questioning the numbers I quoted back in March and April. In March, we were testing very few. In April, we were testing one-third as many as we are testing now. So So I stand by the fact that we're testing so many more now than we were before, and the number, some of the numbers represent that. Number two, um, we're seeing different populations infected this time. A lot of them are not ending up in the hospital and ending up in the ICU. And I'm worried about the increasing numbers. Absolutely. And I stand by any decision that our elected ministers decide on to enhance our security living with COVID in Ireland. But I think I, I also step back and say the Public Health Emergency Group our advisory group, and they should listen to clinicians, they listen to our politicians, they should listen to the multisectorial input that's required in this chronic pandemic. And, and I, I think we need to look at more than numbers. OK, but Jack, do you believe that Neffet, and I'll come to, to the points, the 10 points that you made in a few minutes, but do, if you have time for that. But do you believe that Neffet has turned into somewhat of a groupthink and not maybe thinking and looking at other evidence because there are other, uh, you know, doctors and immunologists and virologists mm. and epidemiologists around the world who come up with a different strategy or a different plan? Because as we know, the median age has dropped substantially. The median right. age now is somewhere between 35 and 40. So, I mean, that, and thankfully, at that age group, there's very little risk, thankfully. Okay, so do you believe there's a bit of a group thing going on and it's time maybe to freshen it up? Well, I, you know, like I said, I, I think the process at the present time is flawed. And I just finished ward rounds in the hospital. I know what's going on in the hospital. I know what's going on in the ICUs. And I think I've even mentioned this. I think a bigger kind of trigger for lockdown is, is ICU numbers. We're currently sitting at 30 ICU 
uh, you know, COVID cases. We had 150 back in the springtime. If, if our numbers start escalating in the ICU, absolutely, that's a red flag for further, further, you know, kind of uh, precautions to, to be impl- implemented. But we also have an expert advisory group. You know, there's a group of, there's a group of experts in Ireland, including a lot of my colleagues, that have an expert advisory group who, who don't seem to have a connection to NEFIT. Ultimately, we need kind of a joined-up plan where NEFIT reports options to our ministers in a secret meeting, not announcing what they're going to do a week ahead of time. Well, we this get, seems to be a problem, leaking yeah, information yes. to the press three or four days beforehand, right. which has a very damaging effect on society, by the way, and the economy. And this is my point. And, and the 10 points that I'm mentioning are lockdown is the final answer if all else fails. I've tried to come up with ideas about what we could do, including we should all be wearing masks. We should also be using masks in households where there's vulnerable populations. We should be up, upping the ante in terms of using masks. I just shouted at somebody five minutes ago, an ambulance crew who were outside of the hospital not wearing masks two inches away from each other's face. You know, I think we're you know, they I should be leading by example, of course. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. I had my mask on. They, they didn't have masks on, and they were absolutely close. And I said, you need to social distance, and they stood back. We need to kind of – and they did it. Okay, that's the point. We all let our guard down. We need to – all of the Irish today need to come to bat, wear a mask, protect the vulnerable, do that as a first step. And over the next week, I think we, we do need to increase our restrictions – uh, I'm not deciding who, who, what those restrictions are, but I think to get a, a leak a week ago from the Public Health Emergency Group, who are just one group of many stakeholders... Are the, are the restrictions not already enough, Jack, if they were actually complied with? The problem is obviously non-compliance and personal responsibility. And I, I want to get to some of the other points you made as well. We need to stop the media controlling the agenda. Um, yeah. In other words, well, I think RTE would be the main ones. Obviously, independent radio would like to think we give a balance to you of it. Uh, hence, you're on today talking to us about it. So, I mean, this idea of giving out figures at six o'clock, um, and I, I know some of RTE staff were com- compared to the Grim Reaper in the Sunday World yesterday. Um, but, I mean, this kind of bad news every day at six o'clock. Is this a good idea to continue doing this every day? I think Leo has said... He's tired of hearing every day numbers, numbers, numbers scaring the public. So I think, I think we all agree that that's not a good idea. But we do need to, we need to educate the public on what, what these numbers mean and what we can do to make a difference. So yes, I don't, think, I don't think scare tactics, I think educational initiatives, support. Um, we need to proactively work with the community, engage the community to be part of the solution. And right now, it's just all, you guys are doing it wrong. You need to do better. Too much hand wagon after the mistakes made. Are we, are we I suppose, as members of the general public and citizens of the countries now, are we, are we making up for, I suppose, dare I say, a very incompetent health service over the last 30 years? We've had minister after minister after minister suggest they would fix this health service. Every year, you know, when we have influenza season, you know, we, we, we go into a situation where ICU becomes overrun, people in corridors and hallways and et cetera, et cetera. So are we now making up for, or are we showing up the system for how bad it actually is when we have a very small amount, 2% of the hospital population at the moment are COVID cases. I mean, a very small percentage of the population of the hospital now are COVID cases, and yet we seem to be overrun. Right. Uh, but I, actually, I think most of the hospitals are coping well. 
the hospitals that aren't coping well right now, and there, there are clusters all over the country, we need to deal with the clusters. We don't shut down the whole country hospitals because one or two hospitals are in surge. We need to assist those hospitals in providing you know, support and better services. Living with COVID requires a stepped, measured approach. And you know, to announce a week ahead of time that we're going to go into lockdown without mentioning it to our, our elected politicians and engaging our expert advisory group who are, who are experts, who, who are on the ground, who can give balance. So we need to include everything that public health say. And I, I respect um, you know, a lot of my public health colleagues. I've worked with them over the years. I was director of the National Isolation Unit of Ireland for seven years, worked on the Ebola effort, worked on the flu epidemic. Um, I've worked with these guys, and I've always worked with these guys. We need to listen to each other, work with each other, and fight the virus, not fight each other. And there's too much influence. But, but, is it, but is it concerning when people like yourself, or recently Dr. Feely, or other doctors who come out and say something that's contrary to the advice given out by NEFIT, or contrary to what the government or the road the government will go down um, are almost silenced or condemned or discredited, it seems, in some way. Is, is that concerning? Well, it is concerning, but, but we all have a responsibility to live with our conscience and to contribute. There's a place for everyone to contribute. And I, like I said, I abide by uh, our politicians who are elected. Um, they are trying to get the best opinion. Nefet should give them an opinion. They should have a number of options presented to them in a closed room. They should talk to the expert advisory group. And then we look at the numbers on a daily basis and we look at next steps that take into both COVID complications and non-COVID complications. And right now we're suffering an awful okay. lot of non-COVID complications. Okay, there's one or two other things you mentioned too. I'll get to them very quickly. You want to savage the travel industry. There's obviously a way of doing that with quick antigen testing possibly as well. You want to bring in COVID SWAT teams. This is in relation to PCR, not actually physically SWAT teams, I assume, but COVID testing to get to an outbreak quickly to track and trace on a much quicker basis. Uh, now, getting to the test, testing very quickly, there's been a lot of talk about PCR testing. Uh, the cycles we do, 40 to 45, is not recommended by most people. It's not gold standard because we don't have an isolated uh, sample, I believe, of COVID-19. I'm not that well up on it. You'd know more than that than I do. But the PCR testing, even if there's a 1% margin of error on false positives, surely that's given us a really bad result and maybe, uh, I suppose, an exaggerated figure. Do you trust PCR testing? Absolutely. It's a great test. It's a great test. It's just not... It's not practical to roll out throughout the country. It has to be done in hospital laboratories. It has to be done in hoods. We need to kind of look at the balance between rapid tests like the antigen tests and the PCR tests. So I don't want to get in the argument over what's the cutoff for a PCR test. Yes, a PCR test is helpful. Absolutely. If it's positive, it means you've got COVID. What it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean whether you got COVID a day ago or it can stay positive even for a month. After, after so you could be COVID. long gone, yes, yes. It could be, it could be long but, I mean, gone. But the, the, the maker himself, I can't remember his name, it eludes me at the moment. I watched a video recently of the guy that actually came up with, or he got the Nobel Prize for actually coming up with the PCR test, and he himself didn't recommend it be used in such a setting. He recommended it obviously be used in laboratories. And there was an argument there going back about two years ago when they believed there was an epidemic of whooping cough in a state in America. They used PCR testing, 27 samples that came back positive PCR testing, went to a laboratory for... I, I, I'm not too serological testing. Maybe you could answer that one better than I would, where it takes mm. two weeks to grow. And all 27 of them came back negative. And they said for that reason, he believed PCR testing wasn't the ideal type of testing for this type of scenario. 
Okay, so I'm not going to get into the argument. We need, to, we need to have a group that gets together in one week. You know, this is the point here. We, we, we keep on having these arguments for months and months on end. We can't make decisions on wearing masks in public transportation. It took two months to figure that one out. This is a very transmissible virus that is unforgiving. So, uh, and, and it doesn't forgive our indecision. Why don't we get a group together? PCR has a place. Um, antigen tests have a place. Antibody tests have a place put together an algorithm, and that's the responsibility of members of our government, we can do things. You know, there's lots of expertise in Ireland. We've got great people, um, talented people, who I think currently are not being utilized to the max of their ability. I think everybody in Ireland should get on board and fight this problem rather than slagging each okay. other. Okay, and in relation to finally some experts including Sam McConkey, Jerry Killeen um, and other experts have talked about a zero COVID free island. In other words, trying to eradicate the virus like St. Patrick did with the snakes. Do you believe it's possible to eradicate a virus? Absolutely not. COVID is not eradicatable. New Zealand tried and New Zealand doesn't have a border with Northern Ireland. If they failed, uh, you know, the rating's on the wall. We need to minimize COVID. So in other words, slow it down so we can deal with, so we can deal with people who are sick. L- live with COVID, protect, protect people. All of us proactively need to be a part of the solution. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Jack Lambert, who is a professor of medicine and infectious diseases at the Matter Hospital and UCT School of Medicine.